Hello and welcome to Connected episode 472. It's made possible this week by our sponsors, Electric, Clean My Mac X, and NetSuite. My name is Stephen Hackett and I have the pleasure of being joined by Mr. Federico Vitici. Hello, Stephen. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am doing fantastic, uh, in fact. And back to our normal routine. Mid-October, it's no longer summer here. And you can tell it's raining, and I don't love it, but it's nice to have a normal routine with very little Apple news. So, it's fine. There's some Apple news. We'll get to that. Eh, some, yes. <laughs> the smallest possible Apple news. <laughs> Mike is away this week, so uh, I'm not just, you know, we're not just not introducing him. He's he's not, not actually here. We should do something for Mike, who's not here, you know, as a tradition on this show. Given that we are going to talk about Titanium shortly in follow-up, I have an idea. If you miss Mike, send him your favorite, and stay with me here, Stephen, send him your favorite song that mentions a mineral in the title. Whoa. You know, can, can be iron, can be gold can be copper. I don't know, are, the, are there any songs about copper? Is, all, <laughs> copper, is, is copper a mineral? No, I don't think so. Well, I don't know. Well, uh, t- send him a song that mentions a rock or a metal or whatever, you know, reminds you of titanium. But it cannot be titanium, it could be something else, you know? He's going to get four mentions and that's it. That's so, so specific. <laughs> hey, I'm sure, I'm sure there are songs about metals and... Min- so metals and minerals are okay. fine. Just go for it. Sounds like a Pokemon game. Metals and minerals. Pokemon metal. So speaking of titanium, listener Spol, S-P-O-L, put this in the uh, Discord for Relay FM members. You get access to that by being a member of Connected Pro or any other shows here on Relay. And this is the Podcastathon remix of the titanium song. Mm -hmm. And what they did is they found, you should go watch it, it's a 40-second song, Found sound clips in the 12-hour podcastathon, edited them together so it sounds like we're singing the song and it's got the music under it. This is a masterpiece. It is so it's good. perfect. It's perfect. The the patience it must have taken to put this together. I have no idea how they did it. Uh and it's uh, my favorite part is that it opens with the shot of you wearing uh, a mouse head and a giraffe head. Like you know the, the first frame of the video? Yeah, yeah, those scary masks we wore during one of the games. Yeah, that's perfect. I love it. Uh, so well done, Spole, for putting this together. Uh, speaking of the podcastathon, we spoke about the transcript that we put together. And Tom wrote in with uh, their favorite out-of-context snippet. I just want to read this to you because it's unhinged. Please do. Come over, boys. Wake me up. So this is touching things, surprise and delight, surprise and delight. I look forward to being both surprised and delight. I'm not sure how much delight's going to happen. Oh, no, there's going to be plenty of delight, not just for you. Yeah, we're going to be delighted. You're going to be horrified, surprised. Come over, boys. Wake me up. <laughs> so this is touching things, surprise and delight. Yes, yeah, which were all uh, things that we oh, talked boy. about on Ungenius, and it was wild. I love it. Perfect. Hey, this is a good use of your uh, CPU time for transcribing the whole thing. It really was. Uh, it, I think I'm going to go back and do the others. I think I, I think I should. Tell me about the uh, the lock screen and. Uh, Shortcuts. So uh, last week we spoke about the inability for shortcuts to tell whether a shortcut is running in the context of the lock screen. And I mentioned this because I wanted to put together a shortcut that would do different things if it was running on the home screen versus if it was running on the lock screen. For example, uh, if a shortcut is running on the lock screen, maybe I'm in a hurry and maybe instead of typing text, I want to dictate some text. Um, Now, a bunch of people wrote in saying, no, you can do this because Actions, the free app by developer Sindrosaurus as a get locked status action. But maybe people missed this clarification from the show. If you use that action, um, you're not going to get the answer I'm looking for. Because if you pick up your phone and you look at it, and if if it's a modern phone that has Face ID, and you run that action from a shortcut, 
that's always going to tell you the phone is unlocked. And that's no different from running a shortcut on the home screen, right? That action is only getting the locked status of the phone. It's not telling you whether the lock screen is visible, which is what I wanted to have. Now, a friend of the show, Guy Rambo, listened to that episode and did some magic to put this together. Uh, and Guy posted a teaser on Macedon first and later sent out a test flight beta, which is still ongoing, for a little utility called Action Buddy. And Action Buddy, similarly to the Actions app, is a container for a variety of shortcuts actions. The app is literally just a collection of actions for shortcuts. One of these actions is exactly what I wanted to have. Is lock screen visible? I don't want to get the locked status of my phone, because again, if I look at my phone on the lock screen, it's going to be unlocked. And effectively, the result is the same as if I'm on the home screen. The phone is unlocked. What I want to know is whether the lock screen is visible, whether it's locked or unlocked. And you may, you may ask, how can the lock screen be unlocked? Well, like I just mentioned, if you just look at it via Face ID, or yep. if you open Notification Center, right? That's another instance in which you may swipe down, you go back to, quote-unquote, the lock screen, and you can run a shortcut. Now, this action does it. I don't know how exactly Guy did it, but it works. It got approved by Apple on test flight. Uh, like I said, the utility is called Action Buddy. Uh, Guy is adding a variety of actions right now. There's actions for Bluetooth. There's actions for secure enclave encryption, which I'm not sure exactly what they do. I think they're causing some issues at the moment with the test flight beta, because my understanding is that shortcut actions are not made, are not meant to access the secure enclave of a phone. I would think not. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, but this is exactly what I wanted to have. Tell me if the lock screen is visible, regardless of the authentication layer right? Regardless of whether I use Face ID or Touch ID or I open Notification Center. I just want to know, am I on the lock screen right now? And hopefully this utility will come out on the App Store at some point, or maybe other developers will copy this idea. We'll see. But yeah, this is a thank you, Guy, for putting this together. Guy does some wild stuff. I mean, yes, <laughs> it's, it's cool. We are on the verge of iOS 17.1 shipping. How is Reminders? It's one of, so broken for me is how I would describe it, but not from other pe- for other people. And that's the worst kind of bug that can happen to you, right? Where Apple engineers cannot reproduce it. So for context, uh, I've been I've been been saying this for the past few weeks. I had to stop using reminders on my phone and iPad because of this bug that I have with natural language dates and times. Whenever I enter a date in reminders, usually in the evening, it seems, but say if I type something like Monday at 11 a.m., reminders does not recognize the date and instead puts in a suggestion like today at 2 a.m., like something totally unrelated to what I just typed. And I've been, I've been speaking about this for the past few weeks. Uh, I've been sending bug reports to Apple. I know they're looking at it. And a bunch of people uh, wrote in asking, uh, did you do anything weird with your time zone settings on your phone? Yeah. Do you have any weird regional settings? And no, I, I didn't do anything wrong. Uh, I didn't do anything out of the ordinary. I keep my phone with the same settings that I've been using for the past few years, which is automatic time zone. I, I don't set it manually. It's just uh, automatic time. I have my phone set to the um, US region, English language, and metric unit system. Like I, I don't do... It's like I'm using a phone in English uh, as if I am in the United States, but the time is automatically set. So really, it's no different the way this phone is set up from, say, the typical American tourist visiting Italy in the summer. Um, <laughs> well, they're on vacation. They don't need to be looking at reminders. Uh, right. I, I guess you have a point there. <laughs> so, yeah, I, a bunch of people have asked, like, do you have any, anything weird in your local settings? I don't think I do. And also, 
this phone and reminders was working fine before iOS 17. In fact, it was working just fine during the iOS 17 betas in the summer. Something changed at some point. I didn't configure anything else. I just kept using reminders. And at some point, the date and time parsing broke. And how can you use a task manager that doesn't let you enter dates and times in natural <laughs> language? For right? real. I yeah. mean, sure, you could do it manually. But as Mike mentioned last week, that UI in reminders takes way too many taps mm-hmm. to add a date and a time to a task. Uh, this is shipping, um, you know, unless the iOS 17.1 version that we're getting next week, I assume, is different from the release candidate that they sent yesterday. I think this bug is going to ship next week and hopefully we'll get a fix in 17.2. Uh, some other people on Mastodon have said that they have the same problem. As Mike also mentioned last week, there's also that ongoing issue with British English not setting a reminder for the upcoming Sunday, but only for two Sundays from now. So that's also still ongoing. I saw on Mastodon today from a person saying uh, the British English bug is also still still here. Uh, so yeah, a bunch of, uh, bunch of bugs in reminders, which is unfortunate because it's really an excellent app. But this is one of the one of the features that you need to get absolutely right for people to trust your app as a task manager. Yeah. And we had people, you know, writing in pointing out that Fantastical and others may work with the reminders database and have natural language process processing. I looked at good tasks and they have pretty basic natural language. But the point mm-hmm. is you want to use reminders and Apple's broken it in this weird way. And even though they know about it, it looks like it's going to stick around for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. So which stinks. Yeah, it does. I got some anonymous feedback. Oh god, I see what it is. As a repair technician and a two-time GreenGate victim, I thought oh I'd let you know that Apple recently put out a service note saying that some Apple Watch users are experiencing issues where display brightness pulses intermittently and or some complications turn pink and advise affected users to disable the always on display. To keep and to keep watchOS up to date while Apple investigates the issue. Pink gate. Brightness pulsing intermittently gate. That one doesn't roll off the tongue quite as nice. <laughs> no, 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 not as nice. Not as nice. Uh, I love and hate how this person described themselves as Green Gate victim. Two times. <laughs> two time Green Gate victim. Is it I'm I am dying to know. Was it on two different phones? Oh yeah, Was me too. it on on a replacement unit that they got. I would love to know this. Uh, but yeah, Pinkgate, that, that's new to me. Mm-hmm. I had no idea this was a thing. Is anyone behind Anonymous talking about it anywhere? This is the first I've seen of it. Okay. Because we're breaking Which, news, you know? That's what people come to the show right. for. You're keeping an eye on the display issue um, yes. sort of segment. You really carved quite a niche for yourself. Steven. Well, I saw, you know, what's his name? The supply chain person who always knows about display sizes and... Uh, Ro- Ross Young. Ross Young. And I thought, well, if Ross can do it. I can do it too. Right. Coming for you, Ross. Right, right. <laughs> this episode of Connected is brought to you by Electric. When leading your small business, it's not all glamorous. In fact, sometimes it's a matter of spending hours onboarding an employee. And look, you're well equipped to do that, but it's probably not the best use of your time. The team over at Electric knows that small businesses, maybe like yours, face these challenges. That's why they're on hand to help with time-consuming parts of your business, like standardizing device security with best-in-class device management software, so you can implement best practices across the board and be ready to scale. And employee onboarding and offboarding done for you, saving you an average of eight hours per request. Plus, Electric will help you keep a single point of visibility into your IT environment to control your devices, networks, and applications, while simplified reporting allows you to achieve and maintain compliance. And Electric can make proactive IT recommendations and build automated workflows that make IT easy to manage even for non-technical users. And look, if you're hearing this and you think your company could use some of these services, but you're not sure where to start, 
Electrix experts will guide you through the process of establishing standardized IT processes for your organization. Delegating is so important in a small business, and when you're trying to run things, you don't need to get pulled into the weeds in your IT stack. So for connected listeners, Electric is offering a free pair of Beat Solo 3 headphones for taking a qualified meeting. Just go to electric.ai slash connected. That's electric.ai slash connected. Go there now for your free pair of Beat Solo 3 headphones for scheduling a meeting. Our thanks to Electric for the support of the show and Relay FM. Federico, you've got some cool stuff going on over at Club Mac Stories. Yeah, I wanted to mention this quickly. Um, we've never done this before. This is the first time we're doing this. We're doing a um, for the you know uh, until the rest of October, until the end of the month. We're doing this special sort of membership event and discount for Club Mac Stories. Uh, we, reala- we realized macOS Sonoma came out last month. And we found ourselves with plenty of time on our hands and we figured, hey, why don't we do something pretty cool for the club? So for the first time ever, we're doing a 20% off discount on any annual club Stories plan. So very simple, 20% off until the end of the month for Club Stories Annual, Club Stories Plus and Club Stories Premier. So that's 20% off any of the three annual plans. And... But because we don't just want to ask people for money, I mean, sure, your money goes a long way to support Mac Stories and what we do, to, you know, we're a relatively small publication, even though we're, we've been expanding and growing, but we're still a small publication. Sure, your money helps, but we always love to give people something in return. And so um, we're doing a bunch of things here. Um, we are adding to our growing list of exclusive discounts. We have quite a list. John sent me this list of permanent discounts that we have for Club Mac Stories Plus and Premier members on all kinds of Mac apps, like the likes of Screens and Ulysses and um, CleanShot, Keyboard Maestro, Lingonax, like we have all kinds of discount, discounts and we're adding to them. Uh, in addition, we're doing stuff on the Discord, like we're going to do a town hall about HomeKit, like we're doing some community events there. But obviously, we are also doing content. Like we are sort of taking this opportunity to roll out even more content for Club Max Stories Plus and Premiere members. In doing that, John is going to do his... Um, a new installment of his Macintosh desktop experience column, but I'm also doing something else, which is my Automation Academy column. I want to try a slightly different format than what I've done in previous years. See, the Automation Academy column, I've always thought of it as this sort of master class about using shortcuts. And it's still going to be that, but I think I fell into this trap of thinking that each Automation Academy column needed to be this massive, groundbreaking, super long sort of class, right? To teach people a bunch of things and have like 10 different shortcuts examples to download. And my problem is that I know myself, because I tend to be a perfectionist with these things, these projects always grew out of scope. And what started as a relatively simple lesson became this sprawling project and it became too complex to manage. And eventually I never published those things, mm-hmm. which if you think about it, it's <laughs> it's pretty counterintuitive because it goes against the very idea of like, I want to give people more content. <laughs> um, yeah. So what, what I'm going to do, and um, I have uh, a column ready to go uh, this week, in fact, I want to have this more this simpler, more focused lessons about still about advanced shortcuts usage, but more manageable, more approachable, I think is what I'm going for, to make it more approachable for people. So I'm still going to talk about more advanced usage of shortcuts and automations on your devices, but they're going to be smaller, they're going to be more focused, and they're going to be hopefully more approachable for people. And uh, in, in you know, as a result, that should allow me to have more frequent columns which is what I'm doing until the end of the month and hopefully going forward. Instead of having these massive lessons that take months to put together, I want to be more focused, more approachable, shorter, and more frequent. And so this week I have this, you're going to like this, Stephen, I have this pretty sweet column about using shortcuts on a Mac mini server with the help of Lingon X, the utility to run shortcuts on a schedule. Uh, so that's something I've prepared. And I have some other things for later this month and after this month. So yeah, 
special club maxories event until the end of October and broadly speaking, a more approachable automation academy. That all sounds really good to me. Uh, I, I, in just reading along, we haven't really talked about it, but I do think taking the automation academy and making it more approachable is good because for some people, it may be their first time automating something, right? We, mm. we have this kind of challenge on Mac power users where like we try to start every episode, we call it like the ramp, like start simple. And as the episode goes on, get more complex. And that's hard to, that's hard to do in writing. It's easier to do in conversation, I think, but yep. I think you're thinking about things correctly. Oh, thank you. Over the weekend, Mark Gurman published a report uh, and it was information about Apple's longer term plans for the Vision Pro platform. And one of those uh, plans, I think, is a good one, an obvious one that, hey, look, <laughs> this thing's going to be really expensive. Are there ways to make less expensive ones down the road? And of course, technology always gets cheaper with time, but it looks like Apple may be trying to hmm. shortcut that a little bit. And one of the things they are talking about is removing the eyesight feature. So if you remember from WWDC, eyesight is the feature where the screen on the front, so on the outside of the headset, gives people around you indication of what you're doing. So if you're fully immersed, it kind of shows that gradient, you know, pretty design. But if you can see them, then your eyes are shown and they're capturing that information initially with like a, a, a scan of your face yeah. and then they're doing eye tracking, a bunch of stuff. And it, it remind me, this was not part of like the demo you got this summer, right? No, I couldn't see, I couldn't see the display, and I couldn't see uh, what I looked like from the outside. And I, 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 I don't recall if I did the. No, I didn't do the eye scanning for eyesight in the demo. So we're not sure how effective that is, anyways. Uh, so it's. I think it's a little hard to have a conversation about what would it mean to take away because we don't know what it means to have there. Uh, but we're going to have that conversation anyways. Uh, what are your what are your thoughts on this? I mean, looking at like the the Meta Quest Three that was just announced and rolled out a couple of weeks ago, those products and other products in the market, like nothing really has indications like this of of what you're doing because you can't, uh, you know, most of them have no pass through or very poor pass through, nothing at all. I think what what Vision Pro is going to have, but in your experience with the Vision Pro and other products like this? Like, do you think this is an important thing? Do you think it's important that people around you know what you're doing? And if it is, are there ways Apple could do this that don't include this big fancy wraparound OLED screen? Yeah, so that's a, that's a very good question because I, I think there's a couple of things to consider here. The first one being, maybe it's not that that additional display with the reproduction of your eyes maybe it's not that useful if you plan on using the vision pro mostly by yourself when no other people are around you like for example i know that i'm going to be using the vision pro either when sylvia is not home or when she's sleeping right that's what i've been doing with the glasses for example that that i spoke about last week so if i'm going to be my, by myself when i'm using the vision pro what utility is there for this outer facing display that shows my eyes right if that display is meant to show your exp your facial expressions to other people but there are no other people around you does it even make sense to have a display um and the second aspect to consider i think is are they going to remove just the eyesight feature or are they going to remove the outer-facing display altogether? Because if they are going to remove that display, like if the cheaper version of the, of the Vision Pro, like let's say that they come out with an Apple Vision. It's not called Apple Vision Pro, it's just an Apple Vision. And it doesn't have the external OLED display. That's a big reduction in weight, I assume. And, you know... Um, parts of the system that you no longer need like you just you're cutting a display a whole display that is actually like a curved display so like i i can imagine that is quite the uh internal component you're removing from the whole unit right so that could help that could help in keeping the cost down and keeping the weight down of the device um so i think personally i think they should do it like if you're not interested 
in showing your facial expressions to other people. And if you plan on using this kind of device by yourself, and if you don't want to sort of do what Apple's marketing materials do, which is you're the person in a big office, you know, there's people around you, and you're the guy wearing the Vision Pro and looking at 3D models while there's other people around you. Like, if you don't plan on doing that, but honestly, your usage is mostly going to consist of you sitting on a couch or you in bed watching Foundation or For All Mankind. Like, yeah, they should remove the display. They should remove that feature and keep the cost down and keep the weight down if possible. Yeah, there's conversation in his post as well about, you know, maybe they would move to a less expensive processor. And I would imagine if you get rid of the second screen and some of the eye tracking stuff, maybe you don't need as much as much hardware. Um I can't help but think that this eyesight feature, it could be one of those features that we see in the beginning and then it kind of slowly fades away. Like maybe it's enough to have (laughs) an LED or like some other indication that someone's kind of paying attention to you through pass through. It may be that people find this creepy and unsettling. It may be that it doesn't work very well. Like the thing that's so interesting about this headset is that it is so unlike anything that Apple or even other companies have done. Like We just don't know. But I would think that if Apple is considering a model without it, maybe it's not the most important thing in their minds, right? Like in, in the series of priorities, eyesight must not be the top, uh, at least in some regards at some people at the company. If they're thinking, hey, this is something we could, we could possibly get rid of down the road. Yeah, Um, maybe eyesight will turn out to be the digital touch equivalent. (laughs) That's right, uh, yeah. On the Vision Pro, like digital touch, which Steven still likes to use every once in a while on iMessage. He's the only person I know that still sends, what's it called? Like a a heartbeat? What's it called? Like a, a, a digital tap? Sometimes I draw a little thing. Sometimes I send you, I'm gonna send you my heartbeat right now. Yeah, thank you. Thank for, thanks for doing that again. Um, <laughs> And that was pitched as like this big deal for connection and like keeping in touch with others. Pretty similar actually to how eyesight was pitched. Like, yeah, you can establish this sense of connection with people around you. But if this Vision Pro turns out to be a device that is mostly, you know, in 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 video game terms, if this is a single player device, right, that you just use by yourself when nobody else is around you, maybe because you are self-conscious, maybe because you don't want to isolate yourself from, you know, your partner at home, then is there even necessary to have a display in there? And I would argue that perhaps what you're suggesting, Stephen, is a better approach, like just put in some kind of LED indicator, something similar to the fake display on top of the on top of the home pod like just something that tells you hey this person is paying attention or this person is is immersed in something else like maybe that could work but i think we don't i think it's yeah i can see you send me a digital touch message good can i even can i preview it yeah i can see your heartbeat on my mac <laughs> that's good yeah nice. oh no you wrote hey and then a heartbeat mm-hmm. okay thanks yeah i think I hope this report is correct. And the only question I have is how long are we going to have to wait for a a, a more affordable version of the Vision Pro? Which is a funny thing to say when the Vision Pro is not even out yet. I know, I know. But the price just, the price dictates this sort of conversation, right? Because what is it, 3,500 bucks? It does, it does. are you, I, I don't think I ever asked you directly this, are you going to get a Vision Pro? I mean, if I have to for the show, then yes, because I'm the only one who lives in America, and if y'all can't source one. Mm. Personally, I'm not that amped about it, but it's it falls into the, I need it for my work kind of <laughs> kind of conversation. Right. So yeah, I think so. Uh, I think it's going to be important to talk about it and experience it, but I was talking with some friends in a Slack uh, yesterday, actually, about like, I just, I'm, I, and I, I did not get a demo. It's like, I'm, I'm like most people. I find it hard to keep my excitement up about this platform. And I think one of the reasons is what you just touched on is like, this feels like a very solitary device. And look, I work alone in an office, right? Like no one is here with me, mm. but that's different than like using it in my home. I don't know. I just, I just don't know if like the face computer <laughs> as a place quite yet but we'll see but yes i i expect that i will i will have one 
I had this thought um, over the past week with these glasses that I'm I'm not using them now in this moment, but with these glasses <laughs> that I have now and in the future with the Vision Pro, do I even need this studio display in front of me anymore? Like, could I imagine a scenario in which I'm sitting at my desk, say, like, when I'm recording a podcast, it's not like I can walk around the house or it's not like I can record in the kitchen right. when there's, you know, other people around me. I'm still going to need a room, f- like an office for me and a desk. But do I need to have this physical display up on the wall in front of me if the display is in front of my eyes? Mm-hmm. And I think it's not too absurd for me to imagine this scenario, which maybe at some point next year, I will sell my studio display and I will be able to choose between, you know, these AR glasses, if I'm using the iPad Pro, or a Vision Pro and just get some work done with the Vision Pro if I want to be fully immersed uh, and not have the physical limitations of a 27-inch display. I don't think it's too wild for me to imagine this possibility. No, I, I don't. I don't think it is either. I mean, you're going to have pass through. You're going to have the ability to beam a Mac into it. There's, you know, Google Docs will eventually be in there. Maybe you have Safari. Mm-hmm. I think it's. I think it's possible. I don't know if the. I mean, I guess if you're at your desk, you could be plugged into power, so the battery life's not an issue. But there may be some fatigue issues to deal with. But mm-hmm. I don't think it's impossible. Yeah, it's going to be a while before I sell my display, but yeah. We'll see, but I I don't mind the idea of, you know, removing um, footprint from your life by getting rid of external monitors and just using a device where the monitor is in front of your eyes. Mm-hmm. And in fact, even a bigger one. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Clean My Mac X. Junk files, hung processes, and malicious apps can slow down even the latest, most powerful systems. Maintaining your Mac, whether old or new, is essential for smooth macOS performance. Clean My Mac X is an all-in-one, comprehensive maintenance tool that takes care of junk, faulty apps, and malware in an efficient, aesthetically pleasing, and hassle-free way. And using the menu bar app, you can monitor your Mac's health, CPU load, and more. With nearly 30 million downloads and 15 years of expertise, this is a must-try for any Mac user. Run CleanMyMac X to gear up for the new macOS Sonoma. It comes with a bunch of innovative features, and CleanMyMac X will ensure that your hardware remains healthy and running at peak performance so you can enjoy a seamless macOS experience. Users of all power levels can use CleanMyMac X. Look, I know how to do a bunch of this stuff, but I choose to use CleanMyMac X because it's all in one place, and it even will send me reminders Tell me when it's time to check things out. All Connected listeners get 5% off by checking out the link in the show notes or by going to macpaw.app slash connected. That's macpaw, M-A-C-P-A-W, macpaw.app slash connected. Our thanks to Clean My Mac X for their support of the show and Relay FM. While we're talking about possible future products, uh, there's also a story uh, out today. According to Digitimes, a foldable iPad is in, quote, intensive development. I want to read you a little bit from Hartley's uh, article over on Mac Rumors. Okay. Uh, Apple has apparently been working on foldable products for four years and continuously made design changes uh, in this time frame. So this is talking about the last couple of years they've been working on this. This is what's most interesting. Planning to release a foldable iPad before working on a foldable iPhone. Apple chose to focus on the iPad because it makes a comparatively small proportion of the company's sales, meaning that potential issues are easier to manage and less impactful. The report goes on to say that the the design is not yet finalized. The product design team apparently is not in charge of this, but now it's in an operations and procurement department to help bring down costs. We've talked about foldables a lot. You know, Mike has had a couple and you've experimented with different uh, tablets and like different form factors. What do you think about the potential of a foldable iPad? And does it feel like something that 24 or 25 could bring? I am so into this idea. I love it. And I hope Apple does it. Because I can tell you firsthand, Stephen, that this is a lovely idea. In fact, I'm going to spring a surprise on you. 
you don't know that I did this. And I saved what I did for... At some point, I guess, in the future, when I talked about this, I... Hmm, let's see how I can frame this. So, if you recall, my six months in Windows Wilderness, yes. right? When I was so disappointed with Stage Manager on the iPad that it sort of appended my life and I started questioning every single aspect of my tech workflow and my technological choices. I spoke about this on the show. I explained how for six months, for six months I used a Microsoft Surface as my main computer. And then when Stage Manager was fixed in iPadOS 17 at WWDC, I stopped and I went back to the iPad full time. But there was another device that I used in those six months and that I never told you guys about. I got, late last year, actually I think it was the beginning of January, I got one of those foldable Asus tablet PCs. Whoa. I believe, I and I'm trying to remember the name, I have the Asus Zen Fold, I want to say. Yeah, I have the Asus ZenBook Fold 17-inch OLED computer. This thing is $3,500. Hey, it's for my work, right? It's, it's <laughs> Yeah, we just talked about that price at the Vision Pro. You just, you just mentioned it. You, just, you, just, you literally just said it, okay? So it can also be for my work. The Asus ZenBook 17 Fold. This device, for what it does, is incredible. Again, big asterisk for what it does and for what it is. And it convinced me that as soon as Apple makes a foldable computer, I am so in and ready to give them my money. This computer, as a computer, this thing is very, very early stages. Mm -hmm. Imagine a very thick tablet with a crease in the middle, fans in it because it's running Windows, right? Right. So it's it's not as portable as an iPad. It's plasticky. There's a crease that you can feel in the middle of the display. And I'm not using it as my main computer whatsoever. I But I did for a few months. In fact, it's got Thunderbolt. And at some point, I was recording shows. <laughs> and I never told you about this. I was recording shows with this computer in front of me going, you know, from the Zenbook Fold to the CalDigit TS4 dock because it, it's all Thunderbolt and it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, when you unfold it, you have a 17-inch OLED monitor in front of you with a built-in kickstand. Oh, that's what sold you. Come on. Yeah, yes. But because it's a foldable computer it can take on to these different form factors. For example, you can fold it close and carry it with you in a bag, and it becomes the size of, again, a very thick, because now you have two sides closed on top of each other, but it's almost the size of a 12-inch computer, right? When you fold it close, it's very compact and very small, but quite heavy, for sure. There's a keyboard Right? There's a keyboard accessory that you can place in two different modes. If you're using the computer fully unfolded in front of you with a kickstand to prop it up, the keyboard is Bluetooth. So you can just use the keyboard with trackpad in front of you and you're using a pointer and you're typing. It's just like using a magic keyboard. However, you can sort of unfold the device and place the keyboard on the lower half of the display. Does it have magnets or something? like, Or does it just sit there? It has magnets. The computer recognizes that you place the keyboard on the lower half of the display, and it just shows you stuff, just shows you windows on the upper half of the display. It's wild. Like, this whole thing, again, it's very expensive, it runs hot, it's heavy, it's plasticky. There's a crease that, like all the uh, negative aspects of an early product you can think of, there are <laughs> in this device. But when you, you, if, if, you can, if you can set aside those 
early product problems and consider how you have a foldable 17-inch device that you can place on your lap and you can fold and you can place a keyboard in front of it or you can prop it up with a kickstand or you can place the keyboard on the display itself is wild. And the moment Apple can make an iPad, like when I was using this device, so many times I thought, give me an iPad that is a better version of this, right? Mm -hmm. Like imagine an iPad that was this big, but it can also become smaller with a keyboard that I can place in front of it or on it and it recognizes what I'm doing. I am so into this idea of a foldable tablet and uh, yeah that was the that was actually the last surprise that i saved from my wilderness era from last year and finally i had the opportunity to talk about it i should send you pictures after the show yeah i'd like to see that are you more interested in an ipad that folds in half like this or a phone i mean this report says apple no an, I- do- an ipad for sure like i think that's yeah. where i end up too I don't have any first-hand experience with, with either form factors. This is relatively uninformed hot take, but I use my phone so much, I feel like unfolding it and folding it or using a smaller outside screen exactly. is a bit of a bummer. But if I could have something the size of an iPad mini that opens up into the size of an iPad Pro, that's pretty cool. You know, think about it for, I mean, I, right, I was just on vacation, like... I could put that in, a, in like a small beach bag and take it with me and have something bigger to read on at the beach. And then it, that is much more enticing to me than a phone. Yeah, I agree. I agree. The, the, the idea of having exactly what you said, like imagine uh, an iPad mini like screen for, you know, you want to read a book or you want to, you know, uh, catch up on your RSS or whatever. Mm-hmm. A reading device that can transform into a, portable laptop device i find that so fascinating as an option also because like this asus device that i have it's very much a only was very much only designed for laptop usage right Mm -hmm. it cannot you can use it as a tablet if you want to but you're you know imagine holding a 17 inch it weighs more than it weighs almost two kilograms, I think. This thing, like you can use it as a tablet, but it sucks as a tablet. And you know that if Apple's gonna do it, they're gonna make it much lighter, and it's gonna run iPadOS. It's not gonna run Windows. It's not gonna need yeah, fans yeah. inside to keep it cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's gonna be elegant, you know. It's gonna be elegant, and you know they're gonna have those sort of like Apple Smarts, where you know maybe the text, which you know whether you're using like if they do, if they're gonna do a product with an outer facing. Uh, folding system maybe it's gonna detect hey are you using the outer display are you looking at it do you want to use it as an ipad mini and then when you fold it open you know the whole size class system of ipad os is gonna turn on it's gonna be like okay now you want to use it in laptop mode like i can imagine all those things that apple can do um and it sounds like apple is also concerned about you know obviously with the foldable display the key issue is the folding system the hinges and the crease in the middle so I don't, I don't know if, if it's technically possible today to make a foldable display where you don't feel the crease in the middle of, of, of the thing. But hey, if, I, I, I am convinced that if there's a company that can make it happen, it's Apple. Yeah. You know, with the expertise that they have in tablets. I mean, they've been, they've been working on tablets for almost 20 years at this point. If you consider the development time for the phone, for the iPhone, right? Leading up to Apple, to Steve Jobs choosing to, put the tablet project on a shelf and work on a phone. They've been working on touch screens for well over 20 years, I bet, mm-hmm. at this point. So if there's a company with the knowledge and expertise and quality control, right, to make this happen, I am convinced it's Apple. And to be fair, this is the device of my dreams, like a foldable iPad made by Apple. I am, to be honest, I am more excited about that than maybe a Vision Pro. Or maybe equally excited, but (laughs) it is my dream device at this point. We had some big news out of Cupertino this week. Apple has announced Mm. a new Apple Pencil. Uh, Features include USB-C charging and magnetic attachment to the sides of iPads, but does not have wireless charging. 
and it does not have pressure sensitivity. Now the trade-off is this is this thing's uh, seventy-nine bucks, so it's uh, it's the cheapest one. I think the product it's sort of designed to work with best is the tenth generation iPad. Remember that came out exactly a year ago. It has the camera on the hor- on the long side, and so there's not wireless charging there for the pencil. And you had to have, so you had to have a generation one Apple Pencil with Lightning. You had to have a USB-C to Lightning dongle. This uh, gets rid of all of that. Uh, this does not plug into the USB-C port, which is kind of what I thought they might do, just like Apple kind of being the cheapest thing they could do. But the cap slides up, and best I can tell, it doesn't come off like it's spring-loaded somehow or on rails or something. And there is a receiving USB-C port like in the side of the pencil. So you need a USB-C cable, which is not in the box, but you probably have a bunch laying around to charge this thing. Um, there's a chart in the press release, which is wild. Like, I don't think I've, I've seen that in a long time, but uh, I think this is clearly like the kind of the entry-level pencil. Uh, what do you think about this? I kind of like it. I mean, yes, the lineup is confusing. And yes, it's going to, stay confusing until we completely get rid of lightning, right? And I continue to think that there's way too many options in the iPad. I'm not talking about the Apple Pencil here. There's way too many options in the iPad lineup. Oh, yeah. There's way, there's way too many overlap between base model iPad, iPad Air, and iPad Pro. Even if we set aside the iPad Mini, which is living a life of its own, it's just out there having a good time by itself. The, the iPad Mini is just you know just chilling there, be like I'm minding my own business. I'm a mini tablet, whatever. <laughs> but the other three, the other three of like are like fighting for, to an extent, they're fighting for the same space in users' workflows. And I do believe that they're, Apple needs to simplify the message there. And maybe we're maybe we are living. In this transitional phase for the iPad lineup, we just spoke about a folding iPad. Maybe, maybe this period of time will make sense two years from now. But right now, it's confusing. But for the Apple Pencil, so there's a, an Apple Pencil uh, second generation, which is the more expensive one, which has more features. And there's this new basic model that has USB-C. You know, they got to do it, right? They're moving away from Lightning. They got to do a USB-C device. And it doesn't have all the features of the more expensive one. I guess with the exception of Hover on iPad Pro, which th- that is the odd one sticking out for me. Like it doesn't have wireless charging. It doesn't have pressure sensitivity, but it does have Hover on for the iPad Pro, which I find strange. But it's a base model pencil that I can imagine will replace the Lightning version. I think for educational use cases or for just people who don't want to have pressure sensitivity or don't want to pay for it or don't want to pay for it this makes sense i think the 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 cap that slides off and sort of slides up and reveals a usb-c connector feels like a more elegant design to me than plugging the lightning connector of a pencil into an ipad and holding the thing you know by the pencil as we've seen the memes over the years, I think I like it and it makes sense for me. Yeah, I think it does too. I think the second you think about it as this is going to replace the lightning pencil, which is still for sale because there's a bajillion lightning iPads around and the ninth generation iPad, which I had forgotten about is still for sale. That's the home uh, button lightning design. It's really like the iPad air design that the, the old iPad air design, the 10th gen is the more modern, you know, flat sides, rounded corners. So I think given that, this pencil makes sense. And I do think you are right that it really just points to, there's just a lot of iPads right now. And I I would be much happier if the 10th generation one was starting at 329 and not 449. And there was a bigger gap between it and the iPad Air, because those are only, a, those are only $150 apart. And you go from A14 to the M1, and you get some other nicer things, but they both have USB-C, they both have Touch ID in the top button, they both have stereo speakers, they both have Wi-Fi 6, like, both have 5G, they're very similar. And I just, I think it's just kind of confusing, but the pencil 
is like a reflection of what's going on in the iPad lineup itself in a way. Yeah, I, I yeah, I think that's right. Um, everything is a little confusing right now. I am, I am very keen to see what they do with the iPad Air refresh, and if that will, uh, if that will help us make sense of what's coming next. There have been rumors of Apple introducing an even bigger iPad Air, and I, I do wonder if that's a tell for the future of the iPad Pro. If they introduce two versions of the iPad Air, one is 10 inches and the other is 13 inches, I think that pretty much tells us that they're going to get rid of the 11-inch iPad Pro and and do 13-inch iPad Pro and bigger, maybe foldable, maybe not, but bigger iPad Pro next year. Yeah. So, yeah, we continue to be in this weird phase for the iPad, it's a face, you know, we've, we've all had it, you know, growing up and it'll pass. But right now, <laughs> right now they're also asking for money to people, you know, it's, it's a face that it's a face that costs money. And uh, it's it's it is challenging to make a definitive recommendation if you want to buy an iPad and you want to buy a pencil. That's for sure. It, it, it really is. I mean, really, I think the question is, what's your budget? Because they're all capable like even the ninth and 10th gen which run on the a13 and a14 like totally fine for what a lot of people do in an ipad right totally fine and i think the ipad air is maybe the default but that's kind of hard to say with the 10th gen there but i do agree with you that 11 inch ipad pro is like what is it doing it really feels like it's not long for this world i think it's a little bit of a bummer that it does not have magnetic you know charging that you've got to plug it in but that 10th gen because they put the camera on the long side so it's in the right place when you're in a keyboard case that makes it incompatible with charging on the side and that is still a problem like we don't know how apple's going to solve right when hopefully that camera moves to that position on the ipad pros and the other ipads down the road assuming that it does they still have to work out where the pencil is going to go because if you're in a keyboard dock the left-hand side has your volume and your top button, and then you have, or the buttons on the corner, I guess, on some of them too, but then you have the the long top edge, which has the camera now, where the pencil used to go. The right-hand side is a USB-C port. The left side is attached to the keyboard case. Like, where does the pencil go? I'm hopeful they work out a way to have the camera and that charging all up there together. And maybe it just wasn't ready for the 10th gen, or maybe it was too expensive for the 10th gen. I can't imagine Apple saying, okay, all pencils in the future, you have to use a cable. Like, that's not what they want. I think this is a a compromise to bring the price down to make it work with the widest number of iPads possible. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite. If you have a business, you might be able to relate to this. Your business gets to a certain size and the cracks start to emerge. Things you used to do in a day are taking a week. You have too many manual processes and you don't have one source of truth. It's never a good feeling when everything in your business is disjointed. Too many processes in too many places. You want clarity and you want one place where all the important stuff happens. The solution to untangling that disjointed feeling is NetSuite. It's a software company that has developed cloud-based business management platform to help you and your team deal with key business processes like enterprise resource planning, financials, CRM needs, e-commerce, inventory, and more. It's easy for over time for your processes to get spread out. You don't mean for it to happen, but it just does over time. Getting work uh, done feels harder than it needs to be, and you can't be as productive or successful as you like to be in your business when things are scattered. I've been through this myself. I know how it happens. So if you want to make sure cracks don't emerge in your business, you should know these three numbers, 36,000, 25, and 1. There are 36,000 businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. And NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses to do more with less, close their book in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. And one, because your business is one of a kind. So get a customized solution for all your KPIs in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins all in one place. I know as a business owner what a difference that can make and how much easier everything operates when information is 
available. It really means smart decisions can be made faster. So go download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistency and excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com connected. That's N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E, netsuite.com connected for your own KPI checklist. Go there, get that free checklist, and make sure that your business is one that continues to thrive. Our thanks to NetSuite for their support of the show and Relay FM. So to close out this show, Stephen, I had an idea, given that it's just you and me, there's no mic, we can let our imaginations run wild. That's right. He holds us down. He holds us back. He holds back our creativity, <laughs> I think. What is that old Kanye tweet? It's like, you have, you've distracted from my creative process. Yes. <laughs> yes. Many, many, many years ago. So, but no, seriously, Mike doesn't, Mike doesn't hold us back, but still I figured, Hey, it's fun to, you know, to, to imagine things with Steven. And my pitch to you was let's do a segment where the idea is if we could redesign one Apple accessory now, which one would we pick and why? So I was thinking about we want. I know we were going to talk about the Apple Pencil, and I thought, yeah, that's you know, I have thoughts about Apple accessories. But if I if I were at Apple and I was in, and imagine if I was put in charge of like Tim Cook comes to you and he's like, I'm going to give you the power to redesign one accessory. Now, which one would it be? And now, of course, I came up with the idea, and I decided that I was immediately going to cheat by picking not one but two accessories because I can help myself. I mean, let's face it, I have a very long list of accessories that I would do differently, right, from what they are today. Uh, could be the, the design of the magic keyboard on the iPad, uh, the magic mouse. I mean, that thing is Oof. wild that it still exists. It's a real situation over there in magic mouse land. The MagSafe accessories. Let's not even talk about those. The fine woven case. But no, 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 just... I have one, okay. which is actually a combo pick, I guess. I'm going to keep it simple. Magic keyboard and magic trackpad. The Mac versions? The Mac versions. Okay. Yes. The Mac versions. There's one thing. No, two things that I would do differently with these devices. The most important one is that I think I mentioned this on App Stories a while back. I do think that at some point... Apple should make a version of the desktop Magic Keyboard and Magic Trackpad that have the same switching technology of AirPods. So you know how you can buy a single pair of AirPods and they get sort of signed into your iCloud account Mm -hmm. and then from Control Center or whatever, from the menu bar on the Mac, for example, you can switch, you can use those AirPods that single pair of AirPods with any Apple device, right? You just, you know, you just see them. And in fact, the, the swi- there's even automatic switching now. Depending on the device you're using, uh, the automatic switching is even better in iOS 17 and macOS Sonoma. I want that, but for the keyboard and trackpad, so that I can buy and have on my desk a single set of Magic Keyboard and Trackpad, use them with my MacBook Air or use them with my MacBook with my iPad Pro. And that's all I want. Have the same technology like, I don't know, let me see them from control center, right? Um, l- like I can with AirPods, for example. Um, we spoke about this before. If you want to do this today, you got to have two sets of Magic Keyboard and Trackpad. Yeah. There's no, there's no multi-device pairing uh, for these devices, and I would go, I would go even deeper here, actually, and say, the Magic Keyboard and Trackpad should support the sort of iCloud-based exclusive switching if you're using Apple products, but they should also support proper Bluetooth multipoint. Yeah. If you want to use them with something else. Yeah. So say, for example, you want to use, I don't know, your Magic Keyboard with your Mac or your Steam Deck or whatever. And the second feature, which is a smaller one, but for the desktop Magic Keyboard, I never recall because I haven't been using that thing for a few months. Is it backlit? It is not backlit, nor does it have the good arrow keys that the laptops have. The arrow keys are still bad. 
there you go. I uh, make it backlit. I mean, come on. I'm using this lovely Logi keyboard uh, right now. It lets me pair with up to three devices at once, and it's got a sensor in it so that when I rest my hands on it and it's the the room is dim, uh, it lights up. And the Magic Keyboard should do the same. Yeah. So that's that's the combo of accessories. If I were in charge, that I would redesign. I've got one thing that I would add to this. Uh, and you can do it with a $39 product, but if you had this sort of setup, one thing that may be nice would be a way to join the keyboard and trackpad. Yeah. Like maybe you're using it with something hooked up to your TV. And I just had a like a brainwave remembering this feature called the or this product called Magic Bridge. Yeah. And it's basically this like backbone type thing you pop your keyboard and trackpad into. And then you could use it like on your lap on the couch or whatever. And something like that would be really sweet with what you're describing, making these more uh, more flexible when you've got multiple devices. What would you redesign, Stephen? Well, I'm going to bend the question a little bit because Mike can't hold us down and you can't hold me down. Sure. Bring back airport products, you cowards. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. They discontinued it years ago, and that was after, honestly, years of letting them basically just sit there. We had the Airport Express, the Airport Extreme, the Time Capsule. Wi-Fi has changed a lot since then, right? A lot of people, including, I think, me and you and Mike, are running multi-access point setups. I have an Eero setup in my house. What are you using at home? I uh, have the Eero Pro 6. Okay. Did you... Is it was it John? Somebody was using the Orbi one for a while. I was using the Orbi before. These these multi-point systems are fantastic. And the irony is Apple was doing that 15 years ago. You could get two airport extremes or an airport extreme and airport express and extend your network. Now, it didn't work very well. You know, today these things are really smart. I mean, the Eros are basically little computers inside, right? Uh, they definitely get hot enough like they're a little computer. But I think Apple could really make something nice that's easy to manage and could make the home security stuff a lot better there there is home kit for routers and you can turn it on on eero and some other products i'm unclear on what that actually does but our homes are not getting less smart over time they're getting more smart and it seems like something apple could do and do well and look Prices have gone up, right? Like a, a set of the Eero Pros, it's an expensive purchase. Like Apple likes having expensive purchases for people to make. I just, I wish they had stayed in it. And it's not because I'm unhappy with my Eeros. I'm actually very happy with them. But it's it, it's such a big market and Apple just, just left it. And in its day, a bunch of people were running airports, right? A lot of people just want to go to the Apple store and get everything together. They know it's all going to work nicely together. And the reason this is on my mind is just last weekend, I was visiting somebody and they're still running an airport as their Wi-Fi. And they got, they got a small house, so they don't need multiple access points. They've had this thing for a million years and it's still like running perfectly and they're running Sonoma and like, it, you know, iOS 17 and it's all still just fine. And it really made me miss really how good they were in their day. They weren't perfect. They were expensive. There were other options. But especially if you consider it, or if you factor in time capsule where you could have a hard drive in there for file sharing or for remote time machine backup, that's easier to do now than it used to be. But it was also really simple just to have your router have a hard drive in it or, or attached to it. You could have any printer be wireless. Like so many good ideas uh, Apple really fleshed out in the airport line over the years. And uh, I think they still have more to give in that in that area if they wanted to. I love this pick. I, I agree with you. That's a good one. That's a very good one. I shouldn't I shouldn't have I shouldn't have to 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 buy an Amazon device or a Netgear device to to manage my Wi-Fi at home. I used to have an AirPod Express. I loved mm -hmm. it, and I miss it every day. So, and the Eero is pretty good. I mean, I, I, I really like the Eero system. It's the best one I've tried of all systems. You know, and they're all, all the new ones are managed by like an iOS app. Yeah, it's very nicely done. Airport was doing that too. They had a Mac app yep. and they made an iPhone app. You could, I mean, yep. so many things we see in residential or like prosumer wireless stuff, Apple was doing 
before almost anyone. And uh, I just, I think they could, I think they'd be really good at it still. It bums me out. Yeah. Well, I think that does it for this week. If you want to find links to the stuff we spoke about, uh, check them out in your podcast player. They're also on the web at relay.fm slash connected slash 472. There you can submit feedback or follow up. There's a, a form there that your data can be anonymous. There's a button there if you don't want us to know your name or your email address. It can be all anonymous to us. And uh, that all gets collected and we look through it before each episode. You can also join and get Connected Pro for just $5 a month. That is a ad-free, longer version of the show. This week, Federico and I spoke about the Analog 3D, the Analog's upcoming Nintendo 64 product that we are both maximally hyped for. Is that fair? Are we maximally hyped? I think so, yes. I put my email in that form. So before I read the webpage, right, I saw like a link on The Verge or whatever. I clicked it. Before I read it, I gave him my email address. <laughs> like, please let me know and I can give you money. Yep. You can find uh, us online. You can find uh, Federico. He's the editor-in-chief of MacStories.net. Some really great stuff going on on MacStories. Uh, I have uh, sent to my uh, my Relator app uh, the recent article about Apple's Translate app, which yeah. I honestly forget exists. And I think that's <laughs> one of the points of the article. So yes, that's going to be good. Uh, you can find Federico on Mastodon at Vitici at MacStories.net. Mike isn't here, but you can find him on other shows here on Relay FM. He is iMike at Mike.social on Mastodon and iMike on Threads. And send him your favorite song that has a, a mineral or a, what was it? A mineral or a... A metal. A metal uh. in the title. That's what we came up with for some reason. You can find me on Mac Power Users every Sunday here on Relay FM and my writing over at 512pixels.net. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week, Electric, Clean My Mac X, and NetSuite. Until next time, Federico, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Bye, y'all.